You are listening to Agency Work, and this is Season 3, where the focus of the conversations will be on collaboration. I am your host, Parker Playstead. Today, I am talking with Tony Brown and Rachel McGuinn. Tony is an art director at CarMax, the creative director at the Richmond Night Market, and a creative mentor at the Richmond Ad Club. Rachel is a UX writer at CarMax. Her creative past lives include writing and project management at local creative agencies, magazines, and nonprofits here in Richmond. Tony and Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Tony and Rachel, you have worked together for about five years, and today we're going to talk about how you have collaborated on projects and some insights you have on high-performing teams. I'm so glad that we're here doing this together. Um, it's one of those things where it's rare that you get to have the writer, art director in the same room, you know, talking about all different kinds of ways they collaborate and motivate each other and inspire each other. And I'm, I'm very lucky to be here with Rachel to do this. When we were talking about the, the themes for this, something really came forward. The key elements to high-performing teams, and that's where we're going to really focus this first part on. Um, and I love that <laughs> maybe I'd love to talk just a, a moment about this process because I think it embodies a lot of what we're going to discuss. So we, we brainstormed a little bit, went to our corners, came back, and Rachel had this whole outline. <laughs> And I'm like, great. Yeah, which is cool. So we typically develop outlines for the podcast that help us pace the conversation, helps us keep track of time, helps us uh, have a progression in the conversation that helps people follow what we're talking Mm -hmm. about. So the outlines are really helpful. And so as I encouraged you guys to come up with outlines, you guys went to work and collaborated on that. Mm -hmm. One one of the things, too – you know, the first thing to, that we'd love to talk about is, although we have distinct roles, it is truly a unified, unified vision. Um, and I love this, like, kind of quote of design as a contact sport. Um, you know, and tell me a little bit, Rachel, like, why you you pulled that out as a as an idea here for this unified vision. Um, I think for that key theme, as especially as we started planning for what we were going to talk about and thinking about like what what does make our creative chemistry work so well mm-hmm. on all the projects we've worked on together, um, I might be responsible for the words as a copywriter or writer, and uh, Tony is in charge of the visuals and the art direction, kind of the overall creative vision. Um, but we work in unison to deliver that outcome the whole time. And sometimes on different projects, uh, you've actually come up with my headline or iterated upon it to make it stronger. And I've kind of said, ooh, you know, as I think about this line or, um, you know, how we'll talk about or tell the story in this particular moment of the project, you know, I, I think I've contributed to what the visuals ended mm-hmm. up being. Um, so... That's kind of what I was getting at there. There's a little magic that happens when, you know, that roles kind of switch almost. Mm-hmm. And you you are at that point where you're like, yeah, you got it. You came up with that. You pulled that image um, in a brainstorming session to 
to talk about. I'm like, that's the one. You know, that that means I feel like that's the moment that you're like, it's understood what we're getting at because you because even you are getting into the world of the visuals and me headlines and that mm-hmm. type of thing. It's kind of neat. And I think what's important to remember as a team is that obviously I have a responsibility and I'm ultimately in charge of, you know, the language and the, the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but and but that doesn't mean that we don't come together and can't collaborate and ping off of each other and and build it together. Mm-hmm. For for example, there are many phases during a project where I think every creative realizes like, ugh, like I'm stuck. Uh, I need like a room where we can just like throw ideas at the wall. Um, and so don't be afraid to to plan those moments in a project or or you know, grab your your partner and be like, hey, can we come together for a little bit and just kind of throw some ideas around? Mm-hmm. If we start with that intention, I think you would you are the first person to really bring that word into my work life in that way. And I thought that was really important because you, I tend to ping all over the place. I, I mean, I know I do this. I am left, right. My brainstorming is, is very wild. <laughs> um, I don't have a linear process the way I think. Um, but, but Rachel compliments me in that way. And I think when we're in a space like that where we're able to go into a room and just let go and that's okay you know to do that um, so as I'm listening to this it, I get the get the the wild creativity that you bring Tony and and uh, somewhat unconstrained you know mm-hmm. you're being very open and, and creative and you're thinking looking at things different ways Rachel are you looking at it uh, in a similar kind of open unboxed uh, way or are you bringing structure to the uh, openness of how Tony's approaching this how how are you playing off her style yeah that's a good question um I think we both have it's almost like method or madness to your creative process I think I'm probably a little more method but I think in the beginning I think we're both totally open and I guess madness Mm -hmm. um but I think what kind of helps us go back and forth is one of us plays when when one person is kind of working out a thought or trying to articulate or chase an idea the other person is kind of like almost becomes your idea catcher if that makes any sense yeah. and kind of plays the role of method and starts to bucket things or put things in their place and um and and then it switches and then the other person can kind of sit back and and kind of play the other role so but yeah i would definitely say out of the two of us i i probably uh have a higher threshold and actually enjoy the like logistics and the <laughs> planning a little more. Well, it makes it work. You know, I think you have to have those two things. And and the other thing you have to have is a little space, you know, a little space to explore and then go away. Because one of those things that I realized that, you know, as a creative person, you're it's not just you're creative at work, nine to five type of thing. 
you know, I, I'm out in the world and filtering design things. I'm everything is coming at me um, through the, that perspective. And so having you, Rachel, you know, I'm, I'm curious. I, I never asked you that, but I'm curious if that's how it is for you out in the world when you're you're out of work. You know, are you picking up on things that influence you in work like that does for me? Yeah. Um, so for me, um, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing to admit or if any other writers or creatives can uh can agree with me here but um a lot of times like I don't come up with the actual lines or um kind of finish wrapping my head around a thought or 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 write during I guess normal project hours like sometimes um there's a period of time especially I'm I'm more of a night owl anyway in the evening where it's just like a surge of like connecting dots and the ideas and and lines just kind of come a little easier mm-hmm. um so i think one thing that we have found um i'd be curious if you agree that works really well is coming together at the beginning when there's a kickoff or you're aligning and you're kind of like setting the intention for whatever project you're working on and then she and i will kind of do like a very brief brainstorm and then we she alluded to this earlier, we'll kind of like go our separate ways for a day or two and just kind of like explore on our own and then come together and and just kind of almost like pitch to each other and just mm-hmm. say, hey, here's what I'm, here's what that made me think about. Um, and then you start to stitch kind of the story together of, of where you're headed and creating little moments like that throughout the project where you can kind of like go away, come back, go away, come back, I think has um, been really successful for us, not only just to stay on deadline, but to factor in like all of the other people um, that need to weigh in or or need to be brought along the way on a project. Mm -hmm. I agree totally with that statement too. Building in, that's the thing, an organization, a company, an agency, should do for their creatives and their creative teams is to build in that type of brainstorming and project development. Um, it's, you know, I think the worst scenarios I know I've been in have been, oh, you know, here you are from nine to 12, that's your brainstorming session and that's it. Well, let's go for a walk or I need to clear my head. I need to think about something totally different in order to get there, but that initial kickoff intention setting and the writer and art director like getting together. When we're we're together, I think that mini brainstorm session that first helps and then we trash it. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that's okay. Yeah, and typically she and I will plan figure out like obviously when you go into a project you have an an end goal or final deadline in mind and we'll kind of take our timeline from there and work in backwards those moments I mentioned and just go ahead and put them loosely on our schedule just so we know every check-in we can aim for and if they need to be moved around it's fine but at least we have that time already set aside. And for students especially who are like how do you get there you know it's not by mistake or happenstance or, you know, necessarily magic, although it feels like magic sometimes, it is truly a, a chipping away at, it's it's almost like being a sculptor. 
you know, you have this big block of marble at first, and then you're chipping away and forming those ideas and those concepts along the way um, versus it just magically is perfect. You know, um, it's hard work, too. You know, it's questioning each other. It's like, well, why did you say that? Or why are you thinking that way? Um, which leads into, you know, one of the second things we wanted to make sure we mentioned um, was, uh, you know, what we have in common with other high-performing teams is um, a lot of good energy and, you know, this kind of endless potential. Um, safety is a word we use a lot, feeling safe. And what does that mean to you, like, Rachel, as far as feeling safe to express your ideas? Um, to me... To me, I think, especially when you're just you're in the conceptual phase of a project, everyone in the room needs to feel really comfortable with half-baked ideas. And and that's what they should be at that stage. And just being able to kind of say anything and because you never know the rest of the people in the room or if it's just one other partner, you never know how they're connecting the dots of what you're trying to articulate. You're maybe just not there yet. Um, and so just just kind of putting aside this idea of like the end result and like that that final print ad you're trying to make or whatever it is um and just throw ideas at the wall and just see see where it goes in brainstorming sessions that i've been involved in uh, we've had a rule of don't be judgmental at the beginning yes. right so let people express their ideas without uh, critiquing them or being judgmental at first you eventually will evaluate the ideas and whittle things down to the path you're going to take. But at the beginning in brainstorming, you know, no judgment, just, you know, let's hear what everybody has to say. Is that kind of where you're getting at with being safe, a safe environment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the removal of that judgment and that, because the brain works in all kinds of ways and sometimes it's not, um, you know, a straight, it, it could just remind you of a childhood a memory and that's why you pulled up, you know, spaghetti when you're not even talking about food, you know, type of thing. So um, that's harder than you think because, right, you're not always in a brainstorming session. You're at work every day with people and, you know, especially if you have a manager that's highly critical or you're under review and there could be um, some pressure there. So having your partner be, I know there's been times, Rachel, you've done that for me backed up kind of even in brainstorming sessions like oh okay I can see where this can go and it just validates um, and that builds trust with it with your partner and I think that's super super important mm -hmm. to do that to validate each other um, of course then there's those times where it's like I have no idea what you're talking about and that's okay too <laughs> <laughs> uh, that happens every now and then you know and, and we have fun and, and it's work but it's fun it does get somewhere um you know when the environments i feel like i'm the most healthy in um and the most productive and successful are those ones that you can have fun um but be productive like trust that we are getting there in our own way we will get there <laughs> um because we've we've definitely had some just ridiculously fun times um in those sessions, no doubt. I'm looking at your outline. You've got the number one thing is distinct roles, but a unified vision. We talked through that. 
The next was high energy and endless potential. We talked through that. And then the last was communication and trust, very important, and we talked through that. So that's a, that's a great structure for high-performing teams, and I appreciate you sharing your thoughts around that. We're now going to kind of elaborate in a little bit different way. So I'm going to ask you what you think makes uh, an ideal creative partner for each of you as you think about an ideal creative partner, what's your vision of who that is or what the characteristics of an ideal creative partner are? A couple of things, you know, one thing, um, having a partner who's different than you, who may have a different background than you, who is looking at the world differently than you, you know, that's, that's very helpful. Um, but also someone that trusts you, that trusts that you are a team and that you're doing it together, that they don't want to see you fail as much as they don't want to fail. You know, I think that type of thing is really important. But I, I tend to um, love those partners that that really question. And maybe that's why writers are really good for me, you know, because writers tend to think differently. Very good. Uh, for me, I would say an ideal creative partner is probably – um, first and foremost, someone who has um, a lot of enthusiasm um, for the work that we're, you know, tackling together um, and is just excited to be there. <laughs> it makes a big difference when you feel like you're having to drag someone or have to spend a bunch of uh, emotional waste, I guess, you know, trying to be the cheerleader, you know, if some, if you both can come in already excited and like already thinking critically about what, what you're set out to solve. Um, I think for me, it makes, makes a huge difference. And then I loved what you said about being someone being different. I think it's always so surprising how differently people think of and tackle different problems and ideas. And I'm always surprised um, how different they are from like how I'm thinking about it. So yeah, for me, um, just diversity and thought and like, whoa, I wasn't even thinking about that, but say more. So Rachel, what do you think um, a lot of creative pairs or teams get wrong? So that's what, you know, those are partners that we, we like to have, but what happens, you know, what's, what do they get wrong? Um, I think thinking about past projects and um, what we might get wrong sometimes is going into that initial discovery or concepting session with the intention or rushing to come up with that, like, final end state. Um, that's not the purpose of that phase in the creative process. And I think it does that part of the creative process disservice. And I don't know, I, I can think of very few cases, I guess I'll, I'll say that, where we have come out with uh, our three pretty solid concepts or like a final batch of headlines. Um, I don't know many um, creatives that especially in that, that first kickoff or concepting session or wh whatever it is for you um, come out of that session and are like, great, we have it all figured mm, out. Right. <laughs> yeah. And if you do, please give me some tips. <laughs> <laughs> Takes time, no doubt. 
So I like the insight on how teams can work better together and some expectations about outcomes. Is there a, a way to test this chemistry? Do you have any tips on testing the chemistry of a team early on and, and to kind of get the team thinking and acting in the way that's going to be beneficial for the team? Um, at least for me, I'd be curious to hear what you say. Um, is For me, there are two phases in a project I think that are, are tricky and just to are good to know ahead of time. And f- one is uh, the very beginning, um, just having that beginner's mindset and not having too many expectations, just focus on a big picture and the problem you're going to solve, not the solution. Um, so just tread lightly with that first phase, I guess would be my, my tip. And then I think if there are too many rounds, depending on whatever project um, you're working on, I think fatigue starts to set in towards the the middle to the end of the project, especially if there's a ton of feedback going back and forth. I think it's just natural that um, it just kind of wears you out creatively. And so just to build in some added support or some tools to to cope with that, I guess, would be my my advice there, because uh, I, I think that one in particular is always present on any project you're working on. And I'll tag on to that a little bit, too, that um, that passion and enthusiasm really comes into play then, because you're like, I'm ready to be done with this. But, you know, no one, the end result is viewed no one sees all that work that goes up to it. And so it's like keeping that in mind and encouraging each other to be like, oh, this is going to be so amazing when it's done or look how far we've come. You know, I do think a little cheerleading, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, but um, helps at that point. Sometimes even a review of remember when we started this? It was, you know, some projects are super long. It could take a year, you know. Um, some are super short, but reminding ourselves, you know, how far you've come and those um, obstacles that you've you've overcome together. I think when you kind of do a little um, flashback, that tends to help because it's like we, we have come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> We've done a lot. So, Tony, the next thing that comes up in the outline is about surrounding yourself with those who challenge you. Could you uh, elaborate on that a little bit? I think I asked Rachel, you know, what's her favorite quote? And she asked me mine. Um, and it comes up often often in the workplace, you know, the quote um, by Henry Ford who said, if you ask customers what they wanted, they would say a faster horse. So it's really, you know, challenging uh, the requests, you know, the, the projects and, and um, authority even and each other. And when you do that, you know, you come up with something, you know, outside that box. You know, if you just take it for what it is, um, a lot of times you'll end up with the same thing as everyone else. So I do remind myself of that often, that if we really want to push ourselves, we have to think of things. Um, by not the question, but what the answer the potential could be. And when Tony says challenge authority, obviously what she means... <laughs> Is don't be afraid to ask questions. I mean, every, you know, we're all working so fast, especially today, you know, in today's world and um, things get missed or, you know, oversight happens. Just don't be afraid to raise your hand and be like, 
you know, ask why or why didn't we think of this or can we do this or or even you're right. I shouldn't say challenge authority and all these young people are going to be like, (laughs) why are you doing this? Well, because we've been, you know, we've got a thousand reasons why Um, uh, you could phrase it. I would encourage folks to phrase it. Um, Could you explain to me why we're doing it in this way? What, you know, could you, what am I missing here? I feel like there's some pieces missing that I don't quite understand how we got to this point, you know, and getting clarity. Um, oftentimes, you know, Crave Brief is written, sent to you. Well, asking those whys, like Rachel's saying, and actually she is the more challenger, uh, uh, why asker than than anyone on the planet. And it, and it comes around, <laughs> it comes around to a good thing because then it's like, it pushes it to be better. Cool. I like that. So we're going to close out with a few uh, tips that you have for the audience. Some of your ideas are not going to be picked up. Honestly, they won't be, and that's okay. Get over it. Move on. Take it as a lesson and grow from those kinds of moments where it's just like it just didn't work out. So that's okay. I, I believe that, you know, some of your ideas won't be popular or even make it to production, and and that's okay. Sometimes they're, they're presented at the wrong time to the wrong people, you know, for, for different reasons, and, and that's what concept graveyards are for, and I, <laughs> I have mm-hmm. many of them. And just scroll them away and, and tap into them later, especially if you get stuck. Um, I revisit uh, things all the time, like, and it will kind of refocus or re-inspire me on a completely different project I'm working on. And I'd say be a good listener as a talker, you know, and and really listen when people are sharing their ideas and how they share them. You can really learn a lot from that and how people think if you just absorb and listen and, and always be that student, no matter your age, no matter your position, um, understanding that uh, folks are coming at it from their perspective, and and that's valuable. Tony and Rachel, thank you for coming into the studio today and sharing your insights on collaboration and teamwork, and talking about your personal work styles. I think it's helpful for people to listen to how other people uh, work on projects, how they collaborate, what their work style is give them an example of how other people do it and they may find that that's the way they do it and that's okay you know there there's uh there's some variety in how people work together but i think you guys shared some some interesting insights on your styles we've reached the end so i have to wrap this up now to our audience you've been listening to the agency work podcast my guests today have been tony brown and rachel mcguinn Tony and Rachel, thank you for participating today. It was fun. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. And to our audience, thank you for listening. I will be back in two weeks with another discussion on collaboration, and I hope you will tune into that episode. This podcast was recorded at Red Amp Audio in Richmond, Virginia. This is Agency Work, signing off.